I'm going to hit record. Okay, we're hitting record. The show is now being recorded. Yeah, I got a couple things. Uh, No, I didn't see that story, but we had a couple things that we're going to get to. Kirstie Alley died, and uh, a few other people have died. Really? Yeah. There's a story here. A guy, well, too bad he didn't die. I see this story here that Vladimir Putin over the weekend fell downstairs at his house and soiled himself. That's the best. That's actually in the story. No, I know. I saw that. Yeah, so, yeah, he fell downstairs, and an anti-Kremlin news service got a hold of uh, the fact that he soiled himself, which can happen. Well, yeah, where did that detail, how did that detail get revealed? Well, you know, I guess it's like, you know, the royal family, the insider stuff, you know, where people that work for them, they're leaks, and they leak this information. Oh, there was a leak, all right. That's the situation, you know, and apparently he really hurt his tailbone, but... Unfortunately, you know, if he was a good guy, he probably would have fell and broke his neck and died. But not Putin. All he does is shit himself and then continue to. <laughs> all he does is shit himself and then continue to brutalize people. Yeah, like, that's what I thought. Like, why can't evil people die? Why mm. can't the worst people just fucking die already? But the fact that he soiled himself. That doesn't solve anyone's problems. Yeah, it's a cute story. But I want you to describe to me, like, what what goes on if you fall so hard that you lose control of your bowels? Well, he's in his uh, 70s, and that might, hey, it might be tied to that. Listen, I have a buddy, and I won't say his name because he might be embarrassed. But uh, probably in his late 30s, early 40s, he was uh, water skiing one day and was... uh, the boat, the, uh, the boat was pulling him up, and his hamstrings snapped, and he shit himself. Yeah, I remember that story. Like, we pulled him out of the water because he was in such horrible pain. But, you know, trauma can, um, can cause the bowel to just release. Yeah. You know, if you hadn't had a good sit down to that point in the day, and you got, you know, a rocket in the silo... <laughs> uh, Anyway, the Putin, that bastard. Yeah. So he fell down some stairs. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, bong or whatever. And then just uh, laid there in his own fesses. Yeah, until somebody helped him up, the bastard. Did that's I, the, the worst of it. Yeah. No. Here, uh, I'll read the first line of the story. Okay, Russian but just, just, be, just, be, just be aware that this will be the second show in a week that we've started off just talking nonstop about shit. But that's fine. I'm fine with it. But you're the one that used to be a program director. Please read on. Well, this is the news. Exactly. <laughs> Russian President Vladimir Putin soiled himself yeah. after falling downstairs, an anti-Kremlin telegram channel has reported. Putin fell at his Moscow home on Wednesday evening, according to the uh, Telegram channel. Uh, The station says uh, Putin fell on his tailbone and his security guards rushed to his aid. You see, those security guards, I mean, Mm. you're really taking your chances. But in any of those structures, hierarchies, there's always, you know, somebody leaking information. So I fully believe Mm -hmm. that Vladimir Putin shit himself. That's Vladimir Putin spelled P-O-O. (laughs) <laughs> T-I-N. <laughs> you know, it, 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 there's really not that many occasions that we have to bring back this song from our podcast past, but this seems somehow appropriate. Poop from a pee hole. Pee from a poop hole. Poop from a pee hole. 
Yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite line in that song. This is unusual. I, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Duran is here. Uh, we've got a crisis in the family. Dan's dog and uh, our pal Clifford is not. Uh, he's not doing great. He's sitting next to me now, panting. Yeah, he woke up in the middle of the night and was unsettled. Yeah. I took him outside, and then he just. Uh, He's been having some rear end kind of issues, and I don't know if it's if it's his uh, if it's his, something to do with his hips or if it's more to do with his uh, intestinal. Uh, you know, maybe he's a little constipated, but I don't think he's constipated. I think there's more than that, more to it at this point. Well, you just took him out, and he had a poo, didn't he? He had a poo. Yeah, seemed well, fine. Do you think I should collect the poo? Yes. No, I mean, not for neighbors. No, no, I, I meant mean, for, for the, yeah, for you vet. should. You should take it. If you're going to take him to the vet and there is a, anything intestinal, but I don't think uh, that's what it is. Yeah. No, he's going on 14 and he's that breed. And, you know, like uh, humans, they, you know, they get weak, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, because Fred was thinking that the stairs in this house have uh, exacerbated his hip issues, like a lot of big dogs like that. But didn't you tell me that this past weekend in the Peterborough area that something happened, he slipped or he hurt himself? Well, a little bit of slipping on at at least his place. There's... uh he, she has hardwood floors there that are pretty slippery, and he just slips around them. So he be, he uh, started to get a fear of the stairs, so he would not really want to come up the stairs. But he, you know, he he, you know, figured it out when he wanted to. He could easily maneuver him when he didn't think about it. But when he started thinking about it, then he just even to just one step, he would go, "No, I don't want to do that step." Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Anyway, well, if something's bothering him in there, right? He's that instinctive connection of stare pain don't mm-hmm. want it yeah and well even so, just okay. now freddie before the show dan was trying to get him to go outside and there's i don't know three steps here from the studio floor to the back door and even that he didn't want to do dan had to take him out around uh, the front well they're yeah, and they're carpeted so he yeah. there's some traction yeah. on those what, what, was he when you brought him home yesterday was he going up the uh, multitude of stairs in that yeah he was fine Oh. But today, uh, you know, but one thing that's different today is it is he, there's something wrong. There's pain in the back area. Oh, yeah. I touched something and then he yelped. And so it's like, I don't know what I touched, but it was not very hard pressure. That well, you know, he could have slipped on the weekend. And then sometimes, you know, when you have those injuries, it takes a day or so to really set in. And uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just something. More. Yeah. Well, when we were out in the back uh, just a few minutes ago, um, it, he well, he's doing two things. He's limping now a little bit, and he's tucked his tail under. Yeah, the big tail tuck is new. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, was doing that a little bit on the weekend, but not like he's doing right now. Well, that's yeah, that's him saying I something's bothering me. Yeah, because dogs don't talk, right? So this is the way they communicate through. I'm, I'm sorry, well, they, they don't talk. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Thanks for communicating through that style of uh, behavior. Yeah. Tail to tail. Yeah, it's a drag, man. The slumping. Yeah. But um, he was definitely not himself. Last night, Dan went over to uh, Ikea, and I was hanging out with Clifford and Stan, and and Clifford, now part of it was Clifford's bed wasn't there, so he's trying to figure out where he's supposed to go. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But I was telling Freddie Dan that for that hour I was watching TV while you were gone. He just was, uh, you could just see him. He wasn't, he couldn't find a place to settle. He came over to me a couple times and just stood there while I petted, petted him. And then finally he settled down in front of the TV, but it was a while. He was, uh, he's definitely not himself. Yeah. Poor boy. Sweet angel boy. No. Um, just quickly before you have to go, because I think Dan's going to just introduce the show and then uh, take Clifford out of here. But uh, and usually we don't read any emails until Thursday. That's email day. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can you know, get a hold of us anytime you want. Humble and Fred at Humble and Fred Radio dot com. And uh, we've got lots of stuff uh, that people have sent us, including our friend Jennifer Kelly, who has sent a, a voicemail. We're going to read that a voice note. But I thought if you guys would indulge me uh, quickly for an email today, it's actually more of a review. Okay. And if you're watching us on Facebook, you know, I'm the one. Freddie Freddie does all the show descriptions that you see anywhere you get our podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple. That's all written by Fred. But because I have to connect us on Facebook, I usually write the date and then I'll write a description something innocuous stupid whatever so here if you're watching us on facebook this will now you'll understand why i've called the show what i've called it hi guys hi guys <laughs> hi guys so this is from uh, i guess apple reviews one star and the it just says hi if you like listening to two dinks full of hate you have found the right show <laughs> <laughs> And so, on today's description, it just says, two dinks full of hate. <laughs> if, hi, but the best part of that to me is he says, hi. <laughs> hi, one star. If you like listening to two dinks full of hate, comma, you have found the right show. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Yes. I don't think we're full of hate. Our vitriol is usually directed in one specific uh, direction. <laughs> and uh, maybe that guy's a fan of that shit. I don't know. Mm. Oh, I don't think he. I don't think that's a fan. Mm. <laughs> Although, I, I, what made me laugh, I, you know, when we were kids, you know, before we all graduated to real swear words, dink was one of those things you could sort of say in front of, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of like, Early swearing. I remember, you know, from my childhood, that was a swear when you were in your single digits, seven, eight, nine. Oh, the guy's a dink. Which was a penis reference, right? Yes, of course. Well, yeah. Or you could call somebody a dink hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you wash your dink? Freddie, did you wash your dink? Who's, who's talking to you right now? Well, my mother, she used, no, she used to call my thing my torpy, but the odd time she'd say dink. Did you wash your dink? dink. dink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or your my, torpy. Yeah. My mom was a nurse. She always referred to a, the penis as a penis. No. Except yeah, we, we referred to it as a thing. What, what, did you, what did you do with your thing? You know, what did you well, put your thing up. Yeah. No. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Different kind what, of What about you, things. Howard? What about you? What did you... What did uh, what, what did, what did Luba, Luba call your pecker? Uh, I don't really remember what Luba called it. Unimpressive, probably. <laughs> but uh, I just family shame. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny. I just remember that dink was something you could say. It was like my swear word of choice for a long time, calling somebody a dink. If you like listening to two dinks full of hate, you have found the right show. Well, yes, you have. Uh, all right. Well, uh, without uh, any further delay, let's uh, get Dan uh, going here so we can find out what's wrong with our pal Clifford. This very interesting episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, and from a beautifully decorated Brampton home in the basement. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two dinks full of hate who wander big malls with Christmas carols, paying playing on the PA system just to see if a little bit of Christmas spirit rubs off on them and to get some steps in. It's Bah Humble and Fred. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Durwood. I uh, was out quite a bit yesterday on a couple of big walks. Uh, did you want to do one of your big walks, Freddie? Uh, yesterday uh, was about 50 minutes, you five hours, but a very, very fast, uh, brisk pace. Nice. I didn't have Delise with me. She thinks I walk too fast when I'm with her, but uh, yes, I went at a uh, brisk pace. I did one walk with Stan, and I took my uh, golf club and some balls out to uh, this park we go to. There was no one there, and it's all enclosed, and that was about an hour and 15 minutes outside. And then later in the day, I went out again in the other direction where there's a, a little hockey rink. It's, um, I don't know, it's about eight blocks from here. Be, for two things, I wanted to bring this up. Because, yes, I was supposed to be in Mexico still. But I was sort of struck yesterday that the last few days here haven't been too bad. You know, I talked to Edmonton Steve a couple of days ago when uh, it was minus 40 there. <laughs> or minus 35, some nonsense. And he said, what's it like there? I said, well, you know, you're not going to like this, but it's raining in eight degrees. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of decided yesterday, like, you know what? I, it was pretty nice outside. And I this was in the evening, like around five o'clock. And they were, um, the Zamboni was on the rink and these little kids were all waiting for the, the, the clean to be done. And I just watched the whole scene. It was fantastic. There's something mesmerizing about watching a rink being cleaned and even a small one mm-hmm. i don't know if you can relate to that but i always loved it i always loved that anticipation waiting for it to be done waiting for the flood to be done and oh yeah and i just saw these little kids there might have been a i don't know a dozen kids and their dads mm-hmm. you know that uh, whole uh zamboni thing you know that's um that takes some training right to get it like to get on the thing and go around and make sure you get it all in the right turns at the right time and stuff. Yeah. It's not easy. No, it's not. There's a, well, there's definitely a tech. There's yeah. a technique to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I caught it about halfway through and I watched him finish because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how did he learn to do the one circle in the middle and then you come around the side and you just keep doing it? Listen, I think it's pretty standard, and it doesn't take long to catch on. But at the beginning, it can't be easy when you turn against the boards. I remember a kid uh, as a kid playing hockey, sometimes you get a nice, uh, fresh flood. But the guy wasn't very good. And at the edges of the nets, if he hadn't moved them, there'd still be the piles of snow. And yeah. you think, what are you doing, buddy? Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's uh, same thing because you get that you know that snow covered ice, and then as you watch the zamboni go around and clean it up, it's sort of mesmerizing. Actually. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah. like, I, I was out there with Stan. It was a nice walk, and I, and I was sort of struck by the fact that okay, uh, I'm here now, and this isn't a bad afternoon. And then watching these kids, they were just so restless, especially at the end, you know. I could just see them and they were sort of like, you know, that thing where, okay, so it's mostly done. And a couple of the kids were sort of like waiting and then they step onto the ice where it was. Here's the thing I didn't know. And I was at that rink uh, on the weekend and I asked one of the dads because I saw a bunch of guys, you know, sort of in their late 30s, early 40s wearing helmets and this is, I first noticed this. I thought, that's weird. They're just going out to play shinny. And then I got closer, and uh, there's a sign that says, in or- if you're going to play shinny, meaning you have a stick in your hand, right? you have to have a helmet on. If you're under 18, yeah. you have to have a face mask as well. Right. Is that newer? I, I know I haven't been around hockey well, in a long time, but I just thought, I thought, because the last time I played outdoor hockey or just screwed around, like, you know, in the middle of the day, you, you didn't have to have anything except a stick if you wanted to play shinny. Well, I'm not surprised over the past few years what we've learned about concussions and, you know, when we were kids, you banged your head. No, you get up, oh, you're, you'll be fine when really maybe you suffered a yeah, slight exactly. and never knew. So, I mean, we've come so far that way. I, would that be a bylaw or a recommendation? I don't know. Um, it is. It's actually, it was, it was written on a sign that I saw there after the dad. I went around the corner right. of this rink, and I'm like, oh, there it is. It's actually a, a city ordinance of some kind. Yeah, well, it's smart. You never, hey, listen. You never know what could happen, you know, especially when you're in outdoor ice and there's snow buildups or chips in the ice where you could fall and smash your head. And again, we know the repercussions of that and, uh, you know, a high stick in the eye, all those kind of things that you have to worry about now and the liability attached to the city with people on their property and on and on and on, Howard. You know, it's so funny because I played a lot of um, outdoor hockey as a kid outside of the hockey i played in the leagues i was in and we you know first of all we got our skates on at my parents house we walked down the street you know in moose jaw the ice covered street we walked down in that rink that that was a big deal when the first rink opened up that had an actual indoor place where you could change see i was never a big fan of the outdoor rink we had one at the uh, the public school near me and often on a friday or saturday night we'd go over there and play shinny but i was never been a big fan of the cold that way and again i was lucky enough as a kid when i started playing hockey right out of the chute i played indoors at tam o'shanter oh yeah like i lived near a park it was called mcgregor park at lawrence and birchmount there and it was outdoor and people that played for dorset park minor hockey had to play outdoor well i played wexford and it was indoor so right out of the gate i was an indoor guy i never well, really took to the outdoor and so was i like the funny thing mm-hmm. is at the end of my street yeah. was a, an indoor ring called the playmore palace i think that's what it was called oh yeah playmore palace and there was an outdoor rink attached to it yeah because as i said when i wasn't playing indoors we played so much road hockey and so much shinny mm-hmm. and that's why i was yeah. kind of watching these kids and i was sort of thinking like you know, there's a bunch of kids, you know, eight, nine, ten, kind of the age I was when I would play all the time. But, you know, I, I've told you this, like, I still remember having gotten frostbite on my toes 
and then taking your skates off and the end of your toes are all white. And when it would thaw, it would get that tingly, burning sensation. Oh, it was horrid. Horrible feeling. But it didn't stop us. I mean, I've, I've told you this, too, before. We used to put uh, plastic bags inside our, you know, our, our feet inside plastic bags inside our skates because it's the moisture right. that gets you frostbite. Yeah, I can't imagine what you went through because, you know, when I was a kid, if it was like minus 7 or minus 8 Celsius, you probably didn't go out because it was too cold. Yeah. For a Western kid, that's warm, right? Well, no, like yeah, we just did through. Yeah, I just there were a lot of nights I probably wouldn't go out. Now, as a kid, I would wouldn't think twice about going outside. Yeah. Well, Johnny Slabshot, his dad Josh builds him a little rink beside the garage every year, and he's out there for hours just taking shots. And it's not very big the rink, but he can just do circles and take shots and one timers and stuff with his dad. And he just it doesn't matter what the weather is, you know. The, uh, the dad that I talked to on the weekend when I was over there, I said, so what is the rules if you just want to go for a skate? And he said, you know, you don't, you can just go on the ice as long as you're not, as long as you don't have a stick in your hand, you don't have to hel- have a helmet on. And I thought last night, you know, I almost thought, you know, do I have enough motivation to go back to my house, get my skates and come back here? Because... It was such a nice night. It was about seven degrees. And I thought, you know, I haven't been on actual skates in such a long time. I mean, maybe this, maybe once this winter, just to see what it feels like to be on skates again, I might do it. I have no interest in being cold doing it. But it was a nice, like, a night like last night. I wouldn't mind. No, I'm at the, fa- uh, the phase of my life where I'm afraid of falling. So I don't even know if I'd do that. A couple of times I put my skates on and stood on the small rink with john but i'm not moving around a lot but sometimes even that's dangerous because if you're standing and just take (laughs) one step and hit a rut or something end up falling on your ass and hurting your tailbone like putin you shit yourself yourself. johnny go in and get grandma please (laughs) that's all you need i have a problem (laughs) that's great you're sitting there in your own poop mel comes out doll comes out and that's it you're that you're just that guy now I, no, I, just don't, I just don't want to be injured. So I would, you know, and Darren, his beautiful uh, cottage up north, there's the little bay there. And a few years, you know, he goes up there and he shovels it off. And it, it's so much to maintain, right? Because any little precipitation overnight can ruin it. But we've been up there and it is. It's magical. If the conditions are right, mm-hmm. the ice is smooth. It's not too cold. The lights are on. Some music playing. I get all that. Although the last time we did that, doll fell and broke her wrist. And it's like, yeah. great. Super. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, we're so alike that way. Because as I was, you know, watching this beautiful scene, fathers and sons and daughters and mothers all waiting to go on the ice, mesmerized, as I said, as you said, by the Zamboni, thinking, oh, maybe I should come over there. I thought, that'll be just my luck. I'll fall, break my knee, add that to my heart problems. And that's who I'll be. Plus, much like Clifford, if I break or hurt any hip, knee, ankle in this place, I'd be I'd be having to sleep in this studio for six yeah. weeks. And the thing is, when you reach a certain age, when you're in your upper 60s, like injury can lead so easily to chronic problems. And I just that's what I think of. I don't even want to get on a ladder anymore. Honestly, even a stepladder freaks me out. I, I, it's overboard, I, I realize, but it's like, oh, man, if I fall off this thing. 
Yeah, and that's all we need. Your brittle old bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on then. Our, our, I mean, our buddy, one one thing, oh, our buddy sorry. Jamie, our buddy Jamie Watson. A few weeks ago, he told me he plays ball hockey in a gymnasium on Monday nights. Maybe I told you this. Yeah, story. you did. Oh, I, uh, no, it's okay. Tell me again. Like no, no, no. And it was like, he said, hey, do you want to play? And I said, well, who plays? He said, oh, it's all guys mid-50s and up. And I thought, well, I could probably handle that. I said, let me talk to my wife. And I threw it by doll. And then, of course, Miss Logic comes out with so many things. It's like, really, you know, you fall, you twist your knee, you get whatever. You have a heart attack. Oh, it's yeah. like, do you really want to do that? So I had to sheepishly <clears throat> phone Jamie and say, you know what, I've. Give it, uh, I've given it uh, all the consideration I can, and I think I'll just pass. <laughs> yeah, because, again, that's all you need is fall on the ice. You right. shit yourself. And now Jamie and everybody's like, hey, remember that time Fred played ball hockey and shit his underwear? Yeah. I just remember something because I had this conversation. I just recalled last week with our friend Rudra Rishi Maharaj. And uh, he was telling me that for the first time, I think since his – I think he's had both hip rep- hips replaced. Right. He was going to go out and play some shitty hockey, play some hockey with his buddies on a Thursday night. Oh, good for him. I know. That's what I said. I said, dude, well, first of all, I was like, you know, be careful because there's so many stories of men, especially, you know, coming back to playing hockey. They're not in shape. They go, you know, go for a little spurt of energy or whatever, burst of energy, and their heart explodes. But he was telling me, I, you know, was talking about being in shape. He gets on his bike every evening or many evenings a week and does 30 miles. Like just sitting there on a, on a station. I just, I just, oh, a stationary. I see. Like right, a stationary oh. bike, not like Boone who goes out every day. This is, uh, Rudy was saying it. So he thinks, like, so he does that. He did that for the rehab on his hips. Okay. But uh, I haven't heard. I, he, he went out, I think, last Thursday. But that's how it came up. We were talking about. You know, you know, guys coming back to hockey and this shit that can happen. And now let's add crapping your pants to that. Well, I, I thought, you know, in a gymnasium floor playing ball hockey would have been great. And I loved the ball hockey so much. I just did, especially in that forum. Like, I loved road hockey, but ball hockey in a gym, I loved it when I played. Fantastic. Or even on a concrete um, rink we used to play here in Brampton back in the day. Um but again, at this age, like, you know, you just go for a ball, you lunge and you screw your knee up and then it becomes like a two year yeah. issue. Like, no, for the sake of one night yeah. of fun. No, I get it, man. Like, yeah, I mean, for me, it's always a, the whatever I do, the math on it. And I think, OK, if mm-hmm. this somehow affects my ability to golf. Yeah. Then it's not worth it. That's why I don't want to go snowboarding again. I loved it. I didn't start until mm-hmm. I, I was in my mid-40s. I'd skied my whole life, but I loved snowboarding. Charlie was my snowboarding buddy, and my daughter, Charlie. She goes out. She just came back from Calgary. She had a long weekend from her job because she works in the States, or works for an American company. Anyway, I said, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm going to Calgary for the long weekend just to go snowboarding. But I won't do it again. I mean, I just won't. Well, I've told you, I'd love to water ski one more time, but I won't. Whenever I say that, when they're whenever they're skiing at the Tim Ballas, I think oh, I should just go up one more time. Yeah, and of course, Delise intervenes, and thank goodness she does. Uh, Maybe you could just get on a tube and stand up a little bit. 
Okay. Well, even tubing, right? We used to get in the tube and then try and throw each other off. Oh, yeah. After the skiing. Even that now, being thrown out of a tube and scooting across the water, it's like rock sometimes now. No, exactly. It's, you know what? Here's the thing we say. Just stay at home. Just stay at home and sit <laughs> and sit down. Hey, Frederick, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about these fine folks that support us each and every day here at Humble and Fred Radio. Well, how about the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one uh, group benefits plan for small business, small business being one to uh, 100 employees. Really, uh, you know, they have so many great products under their umbrella. Uh, You go to chamberplan.ca, click on the um, Get a Free Quote badge, and you'll find out what it would cost your small business. Again, you can buy in at different levels as well, right? You can just sort of uh, stick your toe in and go from there. Uh, dental and uh, prescriptions and there's therapies available an HR component now a mental health component they've really got it covered and again we'll mention the travel aspect of it because again guys our age when you're traveling things can go wrong and you need the proper coverage which you get through the chamber plan they do a great job of uh, keeping premiums under control as well chamberplan.ca yeah, Rudy just uh, sent me a note. He said, yeah, it was my first time in eight years. Uh, good for him. You know, like I said, he's worked a lot, worked really hard on his rehab uh, because of his hip replacements. And I played golf with him, I think, the spring after he had them replaced. So he was walking great. Yeah. Uh, he also has uh, uh, been, he and I have been talking back and forth about the world of electric vehicles. Of course, we've told you about evnet.ca. It's a different way to get into driving without the internal combustion engine spewing hatred into the atmosphere. You can choose from a Bolt, a Kona, an Outlander, Nissan Leaf, Leaf, or a Tesla Model 3. What you get to do, unlike a lot of, you know, a lot of dealerships now, they don't even have cars for you to test drive. It's so rare. Uh, But this is an opportunity. If you go to rentelectric.ca or evnet.ca, then you can uh, take the car out for a weekend. Check it out for a week if you want. And that way you get a chance to see if an electric vehicle is right for your needs. Uh... And I got to tell you, I've been, uh, you've been driving the, you drove the uh, Kona I have as well. It doesn't have to be a Tesla. You know, it could be one of those other ones. And you really can appreciate what uh, an electric vehicle to, can do for your lifestyle. Yesterday, uh, yesterday in Ingersoll, Ontario, a bi-level uh, political government announcement. Uh, a plant in Ingersoll, I think run by GM, will be exclusively building... Uh, EVs, and uh, both uh, Doug Ford and uh, Justin Trudeau were there for the big announcement. You know, I was reading, I didn't know, by 2035, combust, uh, internal combustion engines will not be allowed in, in Canada? That's I did not know that. That seems relatively... I've got to check up on that. Yeah, check on that, because we would still be alive, potentially, around then. When I read that, I thought, what? I gotta investigate, and I well, didn't. Well, get back but to I us. I read on that, that in the article yesterday when I, you know, when Ford and uh, Trudeau were there, you know, sort of elbowing each other, trying to get the most attention, you know, mm. <laughs> as they do. In well, those we notes. we should, yeah, we should find uh, the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, uh, let's get our guest here. Oh, he was there. 
and now he seems to. Oh, there he's. Wait a second. It's, it's weird. His uh, I keep admitting him to the uh, to the meeting here in, on Zoom, and he went away. Now he's back. It was uh, great running into this guy. I've, I've, I've sort of known Larry almost as long as I, I've known you. I started working at CFNY in 1989, and I went over to CKFM in 1991 after working with you for a couple of years. And at the time, I was doing a, a morning show there. And uh, I got a chance to work with the... Where's the rest of his face? I don't know. We're just seeing the top of his... Uh... He's got great hair. That's one thing. Oh, there we go. There he is. He, uh, well, I can see most of his face. Hi, Lair. Can you hear us? Can't hear us. Still preparing. Still preparing. You know, and he's, this is the weird thing about him. He's an award-winning podcaster, but for some reason, the Zoom thing eludes him. Mm-hmm. Canada will ban the sale of new fuel-burning cars and light-duty trucks by 2035. Wow. It's pretty progressive. I'd say anything. Can you oh, hear there me? we go. There yes, we go. very good. Oh my gosh! You could turn this that. Is down. My biggest, my biggest stress is uh, being an audio idiot when I'm coming on your show. It's like because I know I'll do something incorrect. No, it sounds great now. You, if you could just turn, you know, I, I actually that volume is fine for me. That what volume. do you want up down? No, no, right there. Maybe down just a tiny, tiny bit. You know, I have such a wonderful projection. <laughs> That's right. My voice. That's right. When Larry and I were working together, it was him and I, and then the guys following us were Lee Marshall, Dan Williamson, and Bill Hayes. And it was like Larry and I were like Squeaky and Lenny <laughs> and, uh, compared to these guys. We literally had the highest voices on the on the on the entire channel. Um, like but, Lee Marshall, the national voice of CTV at the time. Dan Williamson, the national voice of everything. Yeah, exactly. And Bill Billy Hayes, the same. Yeah. And then you and I, the national voice of nothing. <laughs> um, it's uh, always a pleasure to welcome back to our welcome back to our program. Uh, he is a uh, a fine broadcaster, one of the greatest. I've said this before. One of the best, most underrated talk show hosts in this country. And uh, a great broadcaster, and now an award-winning podcaster. Yes, award-winning. Although, Although you not recently. Yeah, well, you. I was interested in that because you were when I was talking to you at uh, Boone's thing. You were like, "Yeah, I went zero for four on the latest podcast awards," and I said, "At least you've been nominated." Yeah, it's a thrill to be nominated. It is a thrill. We well, we don't have that uh, information. Please welcome back to our program, Lawrence Fedoric. Thank you. Hey, humble. Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. Hey, Howard. Hey, buddy. Hey, Larry. Good to see you again. There's a great picture of Larry and I. Is it in Jim Carrey's book? Is that where that picture is? You and I and Jim Carrey? I, well, I always, well, I often post it when I'm coming on your show. I didn't this time, but uh, I have a, a copy of it. Yeah. On file. Yeah. Larry and I did a breakfast broadcast during that uh, one and a half years we worked together at The Mix. And, um, Larry and I were kind of going back and forth, a huge audience of people. And uh, Jim Carrey was a little bit miffed at us because we were getting laughs. He was a bit uh, prickly with us. Do you not remember that? Right. I, I do. I do. I think you were getting most of, the, most of the laughs. But yeah, yeah. He was promoting Ace Ventura. That's right. And it was just coming out and we were kind of thinking, uh, 
hope something good happens for him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and what is your? I, we always, Fred. You and Larry go back as well, don't you? Yeah, when I started in the business, nineteen seventy nine in Brampton, when I first started doing uh, sports in the morning, Larry was the, uh, the you were the morning man, right? At Chick seven ninety, yep. yeah, yep. and uh, yeah, and Larry wasn't there long. I, you left shortly after that, but yeah, for a while, we had just moved to Toronto from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to be a stand up comedian, and uh, my wife was pregnant. And uh, I did stand up at Yuck Yucks for about a month, and The Tonight Show was not calling me. So <laughs> I was like, what do I do now? This was the plan was. So I thought I, I got to find a job. What do I know how to do? And I, I really looked for just any job. And there was a, a opportunity in Brampton. We were in Mississauga. So I thought, okay, I'm going to drive up there, see. And the guy walked in the station and the guy, the morning man had just quit. And here comes a guy with a resume that has morning show on it. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you start tomorrow? I mean, it was like that, you know. Do you remember the name? Was his name Peter Heskey? Do you remember the name of the guy that hired you? No. Not, a, Jeez, not that that matters. I'm just reminiscing oh, you know, man, in public I, here. But. And if I'd heard it, uh-huh. I don't know if I'd remember it, you right. know? Mm-hmm. But I, I do remember the station went into receivership. Oh, yeah. When I started in 1979, they told me I was so thrilled to have my first radio, on a radio job. They told me any given morning you could come and the doors will be locked. Just so you know. Correct. Right. Was, yeah. and, and then so the, the deal was and I remember I probably still have it somewhere. Um, the, the receivership company said, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes employees buy the company. Oh, nice. Uh, they get together 40, 50 people and they all throw in whatever they can and they, they mm-hmm. buy the company and run it. Uh, and we, uh, investigated that. And there was a oh. great picture of all of us, I think, from both buildings. Yeah. Uh, out in front of one of the, one of the houses. And it was in the Toronto Star. And it was this story that we were, we were all going to buy the radio stations. Cool. Which never happened. But at, we, at least we thought about it for a while. It was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. I always remember the worst. The first thing I remember about Larry again was your hair. I remember <laughs> well, at the end of the shift, you would stand up and you would often comb your hair after the show for what? Because you had had your headset on. Yeah, right. Said, so you get headphone hair back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Guy's got, I used to think that guy's got good hair. He man. does. It still does. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when he and I worked together after the show, he would, I would stand up and he would comb my hair, which I thought was weird. <laughs> hey, Larry, just tilt. Yeah. Larry, just tilt your uh, your camera down a little bit so we can. See your whole thing no not to do that okay right there there you go because the people i did i also did a webcam test okay well we can see most of your face now okay i I got a new webcam and it's vexing me so i um i worked with freddie for a couple years and i go to ckfm and it became the mix Larry and I were working together, and I used to say, like, I was really lucky because Freddie always made me laugh, still does to this very day. But you always cracked me up. I just have, there was a sense of humor that you and I shared, much like the, the Fred man. But there was, a, there was some specific things that you and I would do that, that I, when I think of jokes, I think, oh, that's like a Larry Fedoric joke. Oh, wow. And, okay. and I saw you at uh, Toronto Mike's uh, TMLX 11 on Saturday. And, and I hope I didn't tell you this, but if I did, let me just, I was telling the story of being in Mexico recently and I, and I was playing golf with an 85-year-old and an 81-year-old. Did I tell you this story? No, no. And Because this, this, this was a very Larry Fedoric 
kind of joke for me. So I'm playing with these two guys. This is a couple weeks ago. And I was playing different tees than them because they're in their fucking 80s. So I go to the back tees and I go, oh, where are you going to play the back tees? I said, yeah. And the guy says, how old are you? The 85-year-old. And I go, I'm going to be 63 in January. He goes, hey, Ben, we're playing with a kid. (laughs) And and to me, that's a real Larry Fedoric type of joke. I don't know why it made me laugh, but I when I saw you on Saturday, I was like, I should tell Larry that because he'd find that funny. The kid. Hey, we're playing with a kid. kid. (laughs) It was so funny. But just the way he said it, hey, Ben, we're playing with a kid. Um, I I think I was in line at a grocery store behind some very senior women and they started talking and everything. And I just had one item and, and she turned, she goes, why don't we let the young man go first? <laughs> and I was like, I'm the young man. This is great. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Well, you <laughs> brought this up on Saturday. So if you don't mind, you had, you had just celebrated a birthday. And I, and I said to yeah. you, uh, well, first of all, do you want to tell people how old you are now or how what, uh, it doesn't no, matter? But, but of course I will, of course. But I, I just, okay. Uh, so I, in September, I turned 70. And it's it's amazing to me. I have no idea. It's it, it bothers me a little bit when, when you hear the number. When I say the number out loud, I don't, you know, I don't think about it every day. I'm not life is over. I'm not I'm not any of those things. It just every once in a while, seventy echoes in my head, and I'm like, oh my gosh, seventy. I never thought, you know, I don't know, never thought it would happen. I well, actually had a, a Madonna thing going on. Madonna's mother died when she was younger and i don't remember the number but let's say it was uh madonna's mother was in her 40s or something madonna had this thing that she wouldn't make it past her mother's age Mm -hmm. and my dad passed when he was 56 and for years that i i just felt that way it was Mm -hmm. weird i've never looked into it psychologically what it means but i for years i was like well if i make it past 56 i'm i'm golden it's all great so uh so (laughs) I still have that a bit in my head. Isn't that sad? It's 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 like every year's a bonus after mm-hmm. fifty six. Well, know. I notice. I, I mean, you know, the medical community. I've noticed. You know, after I turned fifty, often genetics come up. They ask about your parents right. quite often. What was the history of you know your your father, your grandfather? Because and then you start thinking, boy, they had heart attacks in the early sixties. Yeah. That's going to happen to me. It does right. play in your mind. Sure. Yeah. My my mom in October turned ninety four. Wow. So you have so mom stuff. I'm, I'm hoping I have those yeah. uh, genes. Well, the reason I bring it up, um, Larry, because I know there's a lot of other stuff that you're, you're, we could talk about, and we're going to get to uh, Larry's uh, latest podcast. But uh, I brought it up because you and I talked about it on Saturday, and I thought it was interesting, you know, because Freddie is 66, going to turn 67. I'm turning 63. My older brother's 70. He'll be 71 this coming year. And, and, I think a lot of people listening can relate to the fact that, you know, not that you never thought you'd get to this age, but this age doesn't feel as old as we all thought it once was. A- absolutely not. I, and I have no concept of it outside of what, unless I talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, somewhat together here mentally, but, <laughs> but at times I have no idea that this is 70 and this is whatever. And, and, and and I I was in my lobby of my building waiting for um, a car, and there's this really old lady behind me, and her ringtone, her fo- cell phone rings, and her ringtone was "Happy" by the Rolling Stones. Wow! And it's blaring, and I'm like, "Wow, Granny!" And then I realized she's probably my age, <laughs> or or younger. It's just uh, again, no concept of the. 
you know, the actual what this means to be 70, other than, you know, you remember a lot of things and some of your references are outdated occasionally. But other than that, I don't know. Well, you know, often age, you know, if you're maintain some degree of, you know, physical health, I mean, age is just really between the ears, right? You stay active, you stay creative, right. you still write, you do that stuff's invaluable. I mean, so many people, you know, they retire and then shut it down and just sort of waste away the only i was going to ask you to about 70 in the number because 65 bothered me a bit i think 70 will from this aspect the average canadian man overwhelmingly dies in their 80s so once you hit 70 you're thinking okay just really the next milestone is pretty much going to be hit right right that's what would bother me. Yeah. Is going to bother yeah, me. Larry, we're mm-hmm. just doing this just in case you weren't bummed out enough. We're just, just going to. Just in case you were bummed out. <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah. the, the, uh, the, uh, I think 65, somewhere in there, um, the, the number was that if I die today, mm-hmm. no one is going to go so young. Yeah. So yes, that's right. once you pass that number, then it's uh, okay. Let's yeah, just although you say that, I mean, I was just there was a story that just uh, Kirstie Alley from Cheers yeah. just passed away at age seventy one. You know, I used to do this bit a few years ago about you know people do it's uh, they call I called death math. Like I so meaning like then I did this when Bowie passed away, but for Kirstie Alley, I go okay seventy one. I'm sixty two. So if I if I die at the same age as her, I would have nine years left. Right. You would only have one year left, just in case you're curious. Um, okay, okay. Now I'm done. <laughs> By the way, but 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 back to what Freddie was saying, and 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 kind of you know on on the heels of what you said to me on Saturday and just now, when you don't think about it, when I don't. My day-to-day, I don't really relate to being 62 years old, and I don't relate to Freddie being whatever age he is, or you, because, you know, we've been friends a long time, and you're funny and current, and you have you have a brain that still works, but as we get older, and I just spent two weeks with a bunch of people in their late 70s into their late 80s, it really is, your life and the quality is determined so much by your current state of health, more so than I think... That is really the demarcation of age for me. As long as you have a baseline of health, you know, it doesn't matter what the number is. I, I agree. I mean, I, and I've done a podcast on this, so it's no big secret. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but I have uh, AMD, which is age-related macular degeneration. So it's an eye thing, and it's, it's still pretty good, and I get medicine for it because I caught it early. Uh, but with your – when. A little thing like you don't see as well as you used to, so you can't just pick up an article or a menu Mm -hmm. or read it instantly. You suddenly, it's a marker. You start to feel like, oh shit, I'm, I'm older. I'm slower. As a result, sometimes you feel like you're stupid and you have to talk yourself out of that because you're not stupid. You just can't read this without a, you know, a magnifier or, (laughs) or help. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you develop a lot of little hacks around to help you with your eyes. So a little, but, to your point, I guess, Howard, about physical health, when something small like that does help, that certainly affects, I think. But otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. feeling good and, right. and yeah, day to day is fine. It's when your body starts talking to you, too. Like, I know other guys in their mid-60s and, you know, they walk, they walk like they're old men or, right. you know, they, they look like they're older than they are. Um, 
so far, and I think Howard can speak to this, or at least, and obviously you, Larry, like I, day to day, I, I'm not walking around thinking, oh, this hurts, that hurts. The, the odd time I'll go to do something and I'll go, oh, I can't do this like I used to, but that, right. that's the extent of it. Uh, and you were talking about those that woman being your age, too, how often I run into people and you, you have a conversation, you find out they're the same age as you are a bit younger, but then they look a lot older. And you just wonder what what causes that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, think I don't it's know. Not using your mind, it's retiring and just stopping, shutting it down. There's so many things. You know, the other thing I wonder is uh, I've so far have avoided the uh, and you guys, obviously, the old voice. <laughs> right, like, like Ted Danson. Ted Danson is on these spots now. His mm-hmm. voice is older. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, Ted Danson. How old is he? And he's, I think he's still in his seventies. But like, how did I? Or when? When is that going to happen? When mm-hmm. I start having that voice? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny you say that because if I when if and when that happens, I'm just going straight to the old Jew. But how is that, Larry Vidarnik? <laughs> Um, speaking of that, uh, I want to get to a couple of the topics we were supposed to cover with you. And, and Larry's uh, latest podcast, now the first, his first foray, the award-winning podcast, was called uh, what? I Was Eight. I Was Eight. Great podcast. The whole thing was about, well, you explained it. It was all about life as you remember it when you were eight years old. Right. And, and, and you and I, similarly growing up in Saskatchewan, I was more in the mid province but it was just it's not necessarily a prairie story it's just a kid's story and i had a lot of stories about being a dopey kid and i thought how many do i have and once i started really making a list of them i thought you know this could be a podcast sort of tell each little story about being a dopey kid and uh including by the way uh not skating because i never skated i tried once and i fell on my face and bit the end of my tongue off and had to have five stitches in my tongue Mm. for you know, it was great living on ice cream and soup for a couple of weeks, but other than that, not play. So anyway, all of these kinds of stories, and they kind of played out. Um, I did 65 episodes uh, weekly, uh, 65 weekly episodes, and then I thought, okay, where to now? So I came up just with this line, um, later that same life, and morphed it into what it is today, which is more of a social commentary podcast. And that's a uh, podcast, later that same life is still... Uh, being produced, and uh, you know, I think I asked you this at one point with uh, I, the uh, the first one that you were were you ever thinking of turning that into a book? Because as Fred said, you're still a good write. You still write. You're a good. Yeah. You know, you're vital. And that podcast had such a wonder years feel to it. I right. I really enjoyed it. It it did because it really made you think about your own life. Actually, mm-hmm. um, it was it was, and I remember when it was launching. I was talking to you guys on the show, and I think it was Dan Duran who said, "I don't have sixty five stories from my childhood." And my line in my head was, "I bet you do." Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it's just tackling them and remembering 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 them and regurgitating them and coming up and then writing them. You well, know? Larry, at the start of the show, I was talking to Fred about a walk I went on yesterday evening, and the kids were watching these little eight, nine, ten year olds waiting for the zamboni to get finished flooding the rink. And I, I was, first of all, I was just like a kid mesmerized by watching the zamboni, as we all were. But just watching the, these kids and how they were anticipating when the guy was going to be done, that they could get back on the rink. Well, we like that's an episode. There's an episode, yeah, Larry. That's a show. There's that's a, show. a show. That's a show. The the I I didn't play hockey as I said, but I was a hockey dad, 
And I had those experiences with my son. And we, I mean, as hockey dads, even we love the flood. Oh, everybody just gathered around in silence and just yeah. as a little, uh, you know, right that we watched the, the flood, a magnificent flood before the kids played. And uh, so I got to experience that through my son. But yeah. For sure. So on uh, later that same life, uh, you've tackled a bunch of different stories. Um, I want to make sure we get to this Ivan Reitman story because I'm not sure. Is that part of one of your episodes or is that just? It, it's a- not. And, and part of my current podcast is occasionally I will, you know, I'll do stuff about the World Cup or, or a social phenomena. But occasionally I'll, I'll do a, a, a drop in a story of when I was 80 or when I was almost 80. <laughs> but. <laughs> but um, and I was thinking of doing a podcast about the Ivan Reitman story, which I may as well. But I was just thinking of him again because he passed this year. And uh, I was looking at, you know, uh, for a year end podcast, I kind of keeping this morbid list of people who've passing and I'm adding Kirstie Alley and I'm adding Bob McGrath from Sesame Street. And I'm that's like, right. Uh, I'm thinking, well. Well, there's Ivan Reitman from February, and I have an Ivan Reitman story. So I may do a podcast, and I just maybe share it quickly here. I don't know. Yeah, we'd love you. Uh, yeah, 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 can yeah. you tell us? Oh, oh, oh sure. Uh, so I've had uh, uh, an Ivan Reitman story for over 30 years. And the story, uh, the quick version is, is that uh, Ivan Reitman's father owned the property at King. And is it John or Peter? It's John, I think, where Bell uh, Lightbox is. Yeah. In Toronto. So he and on that property was a, a Farbs car wash. And it was the car wash downtown and it used fresh water and it was complete service inside and out. And it was expensive. And there was Mercedes roll through there. And like everybody took their car through there. And at CFDR, we wanted to do a uh, we used to do free car washes, free gas promotions. So we wanted to do one downtown. So I, I was tasked as promotions manager, go get the guy from Farbs, pitch the idea to him, see if he'll do it. So I don't know who this Mr. Reitman is, but I go, I, I set up a meeting and his office is right at the end of the car wash, like by the blowers. <laughs> yeah. so, and, it's, and it's got a door, but you can it barely uh, muffles the sound. So I'm waiting in this office and in comes this sweet little old man, bald, Dressed like with the the navy blazer, the gray slacks, but I remember kind of a a plaid shirt and a striped tie, which was a little, but okay. And he, but he's just the sweetest little guy, and he's in his little office there at the car wash, and behind him are posters, mo- big movie posters for um, heavy metal, I think Meatballs and Animal House, which were Ivan Reitman movies, and I pitch my idea, and he's like, no. I'm like, no, nah, I repitch. No, he's not interested. This goes for five minutes. He's just not interested. And he goes, do you know the name Reitman? And I'm like, well, kind of a little bit. And he goes, and he points up at the movie posters. And he says, that's my son. Mm. And I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I've And he, for uh, 20 minutes, goes on about his son, how great his son is, how talented his uh, it, it was just a moment that was so touching to me because he was just so proud my son was very young at the time. I, I walked away from that meeting. We didn't get the promotion, but I thought, gee, I, I, I want to be that kind of dad with my son. It was just this moment for me, guys. Yeah. I don't know what it was. No, it's beautiful. Stayed. And then I thought, years later, I thought, boy, if I ever get a chance to meet Ivan Reitman, I'm going to tell him my Ivan Reitman story. 
And it's possible. I'm in media. I could be at an event. We could be in a room. Who knows? Sure. Um, so 2019, early 2019, I'm in Kensington Market uh, doing street photography as my hobby. It's a bitterly cold day, beautifully sunny, but bitterly cold. And uh, there's Ivan Reitman and his wife. And um, he goes into a store because he didn't bring any gloves. So he wants to buy some gloves. And his wife has a camera. So I start talking to her. I'm like, that's Ivan Reitman. She goes, yes. I, Would there be a chance I get to say hello? She goes, oh, yes, absolutely. So Ivan Reitman disappears somewhere in Kensington. She's on the phone to him. She's like, where are you? I have a person here who's been waiting patiently to meet you. Please come back. We're at the corner of. And he comes back, and I get to tell him my Ivan Reitman story. Wow. That's and that's kind of my Ivan Reitman story. And he was he was beautiful about it. And I, I took much less time because I'm like, here's this guy standing on a cold street corner with a stranger, and I'm trying to tell him a dad story. But I, I managed to try and get it out somewhat succinctly without sounding like a crazy fan. And uh, he told me a couple stories about his dad also that were nice. And his wife was, uh, it turns out his wife of like, I think, 40 years or something, they were together forever. So that was sweet. She was lovely. They were lovely. And um, I actually phoned a friend and said, hey, you know my Ivan Reitman story? I just told it to Ivan Reitman. That's the best. Mm-hmm. And it was a great day. It was a great day. And I got a picture of him with the gloves and everything. So when he passed, I was like a little extra sadder because of the moments there. Mm-hmm. On that vein, let me give you a tip, because I started watching this last night. It's funny you bring this up. It's on Netflix. Robert Downey Jr., the documentary on his dad, Sr. Oh, really? mm. yeah. I watched the first half yesterday, and I'm going to watch the second half today. It's great. What's it called? Sr. Oh, it's Sr. his dad, and he just follows his dad for the last three years of his life. Yeah, his father was a famous director. and Yeah. An I, independent I, film guy, and uh, it it's it's just, I'll tell you. It's, uh, what I saw last night, it's just, it, it just, your mind races, your dad, your son, all yeah. those things, those relationships. Yeah. Larry, Larry, how old was Ivan Reitman when he died? He was, okay, good. Oh, man, I didn't even look this up, but he was in his 70s. Well, I only asked that. I remember him being a little older than me. Yeah, I was going to say, because, you know, if he was 74, you're 70, you have at least four more years. Okay. See, there's the, that's the old age death math. Death that's math. Right. So, um, anybody. Anybody that has a Larry Fedorik story, they would like to tell to Larry Fedorik. <laughs> you live alone, right, Larry? Yes. So someday somebody will be walking on your floor. There's a smell coming from Larry. <laughs> There's a smell coming from Larry's Larry Fedorik's room. You know, one of the things that struck me while you told that story is what I so enjoy about it. What I, what I enjoyed about your radio show and what I enjoy about your podcast is that there's not a lot of people that rock up here on the Humble and Fred show and can just take the ball and just make it, you know, make it live. And, and you're just so good at that. And if you've never heard Larry's stuff, that story is a great example of how Larry, for the longest time, I used to listen to you on uh, St. Catharines. Is it CKTB? Same yeah. yeah. And, and it was Freddie that turned me on to it because I wasn't sure what you were up to. And Freddie said, he's doing this talk show and fred at that time and i both of us had really gotten into talk radio and uh, i listened to rush and i listened to a lot of guys listened to a guy the sports guy um you know who i mean mccallum no not mccallum the guy in the states who was really good oh jim rome jim rome i used to listen to him and then and then he then freddie turned me on to you and your presentation and 
St. Catharines. And it was so unique and it was so different than a lot of that outrage, fucking bullshit talk radio that everyone was doing. Because you would just sit there for three hours, most days without guests. And... More importantly, it was my wife who first said to me when I would listen to talk radio, and it was Colin. She said, I don't care what people have to say. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. It was funny. that no. She had no patience for that. And then I used to, I started to think that way. Yeah, these callers are adding nothing to the show. And that's what I loved about your show. You never really took calls from Joe Average, did you? Or if you did, it was no, very it was, brief. No. It was a little bit like karaoke to me. So it's yeah. it's great. You can find some time a talent a person who will stand up and sing the Elton John song. But yeah. it was Elton John who put all the work in and right. who studied yeah. for years yeah. and, and created this thing. And it's it, it, I felt the same way. I put a lot of work into this into this thought of this opinion, this piece, this story. And you're just going to come off the street like I, I don't mind yeah. that occasionally, but I just hold on a second here. Now, how did that? Yeah, talk, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me too. Yes. Talk to me. How? Like you? And I. I want to segue after this to what you. Some radio filling you're doing now. You and I talked about it on Saturday. But how did that evolve? Because up until I heard you do that, your take on a talk show. Again, Limbaugh, as big a dick as he was, he was a great broadcaster. I don't care what people say. When I first started listening to him, I was sucked in by the idea that he didn't take calls. Not a lot of calls. He would go on a monologue for 45 minutes. And, you know, as a broadcaster, you got to respect that. In your case, just remind me and us how that evolved where they said, okay, Larry, we're going to give you this time slot. And you said, I don't think I'm going to take any. I have an idea. How about I don't take any calls? <laughs> uh, I started uh, part-time in St. Catharines. And that's how I kind of got on there. It was like, would you fill in for us occasionally and all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, my first shift was uh, 4 till 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve day. And that was really it. So I could get no guests. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to come on the show because it was Christmas Eve. And uh, nobody was calling. I don't think anybody was listening. So I, I kind of went prepared to talk for a couple of hours. And it was really that. It just, from that, I, I kept getting those shifts where they were holidays or there were whatever, where nobody was around. So it was up to me to fill that time. And it just became my thing. Um, and plus... I will say from performing live, uh, Howard, you would know this especially, that I think a lot of radio people say stuff on radio that you would never get away with in front of a live audience. They'd eat you alive. Mm-hmm. So I had that, at least a little bit of that sensibility that I brought to it, where this has to be interesting. Um, and I had this credo where it was engage, entertain, inform, and inform was number three on the list. Because I, I just, you know, if you didn't get the first one, you weren't going to get to two and three. You had to engage mm-hmm. people. And then there was lack of management. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, are you trying to say no one was paying attention, which can be a good thing in our business? Oh, yeah, I loved it. So, so they just let me, they just let me go on that. And, you know, I started to add more guests because I do love talking to interesting people. Mm-hmm. What but if it makes sense? Yeah. Right. Not having, them on, not having them on for the sake of having them on. And that's what right. I love about 
your show was just so interesting from talking. Well, thank you, thank you. And, and, and you know, and you were, and then you're not handing it over to Bob from uh, Scarborough, you know, Welland, yeah, yeah or <laughs> but Bob from Welland, who really doesn't have a lot to to add to it. And the other thing, Larry, like you and I worked together, Freddie and I, we were all in traditional radio, and I was introducing six or seven songs an hour and having to stop the show. And uh, we thought the funniest show we were doing, Fred and I, at least, was off the air. We know the shit we were saying to each other between songs. And then that's why that the Mojo experiment in 2001 for us was so attractive because Freddie and I just wanted to be able to talk more. And at that time in our lives, I was 41, he was 44 or whatever. And we just thought we were at a stage where waiting for the song to end didn't make any sense to us anymore, even though we went back to it, you know. My point is that a, a lot of guys from traditional radio, and I, I could name some names, but a lot of the guys we've already talked about that were great disc jockeys, you know, talking over intros for 15 and 20 seconds. They couldn't handle this, and they certainly couldn't handle what you were doing. Well, I yeah, and, and unfortunately, a lot of talk early, I, I feel, got tied to news unfairly, like, or... or uh, so, so who does news? Well, news people. Well, news people generally, and we know, I know a lot of great news people, but news people generally read three-minute scripts that they wrote in the newsroom and also didn't necessarily have that ability to just turn on a mic and, and talk. Where um, So my whole mindset at the time was like, okay, I'm not a news person. I don't think news is the only thing I want to talk about today. There's other interesting things and stories. Um, how do we, how do I do that? How do I, how do I do that? And like I said, it wasn't at the time management wasn't great. So they just like, yeah, whatever he's doing, let him go. He shows up, you know, attendance is so big. <laughs> yeah. And well, and here's my perspective on that a lot. Like, for years, I used to wonder, well, okay, it's the same family. Why isn't Fedoric at News Talk 1010? Well, I used to think about that all the time. But, you know, a lot of that talk radio is just, it's built on outrage. Right. Present the topic, get the people pissed off. They phone in, they're pissed off. Can we come to some kind of a resolution? Or <laughs> What you did, there wasn't a lot of outrage in what you did. Um, no, not really. I mean, no. I... I I, that was never my thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and I didn't necessarily understand why I wanted to listen to a show that made me feel bad or angry. Yes, yes, that's the point. But w- what was the problem with like News Talk Ten Ten? Was was it for that reason? They, you know, their business was outrage or getting people pissed off or reactive to negative. Maybe things? I, I, I don't know, but I, I I don't know that anybody liked me. I don't know that Ben Dixon liked me. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried. Every new manager we had in St. Catharines, they're like, what are, what are your goals in Bell Media? And I'm like, I want to work in Toronto. And it just never, I ended up applying myself for the weekend morning job at 1010, which I did for two years, as well as my five days a week. Jeez. And I would do these 70, 80 day runs, 100 days with no days off, you know, wow. just to go in, just to show them what I could do on, on 1010. Um, eventually got fired on that. They had to make a change. Uh, at, at one time, I thought I was up for afternoons. They gave it to John Tory, mm-hmm. which really pissed me off because, uh, hey, hey, broadcasting, anybody mm-hmm. can do this job. Just let's hire a, you know, mm-hmm. let's drop in a celebrity name. Right. I'm nothing against John Tory as a person. <clears throat> yeah. I, I just like he got a radio show because he's John Tory, not because he's any good at 
what I've spent my life doing. So, and by the way, for what it's worth, you know, we were associated with them for a long time when we started this podcast and they gave us a lot of support, but you know, you know, we've said this before. Ben Dixon wasn't a huge fan of ours and we filled in for a couple of weeks. Uh, I think we did one week. I can't remember. I think we did it a couple of times, but it did not go well because of what you just said, because our, what you said about that, a motto about engage, entertain, inform, that is how we've done our show. Then the story isn't, we, we felt we could relate that people could relate to what we were doing and it was a different show we were doing, but that's not the show they wanted and not taking anything away from what they're doing now, but the sh- you know what we were doing at Mojo and what you were doing in St. Catharines, that's the kind of talk radio people relate to. And how do I know that? Because people listen to podcasts now. They don't listen to that stuff anymore. Right. You know, that, that's how you know that the three of us, you know, sort of were on the right track because what we've just been describing is the world of yeah. podcasting. Mm-hmm. Stories, engaging, entertaining—not the you know you, you can't do an hour on the news if you're doing. A, I mean, you can on our in our format, but it's not what people want. You know, we've just spent uh, almost a half an hour talking to you, and have not other than the Ivan Reitman story. And the, the, the most current thing we've talked about is somebody near your age who died. <laughs> right, right. Uh, c- c- do you have time for a quick? We got time. Story? Terrible story about myself and Mike Ben Dixon. Yes. Okay. So I spent the last, it's been three years since I was let go. I've spent a good part of that burning as many bridges as I possibly can. Yes, I've noticed. Because I just like, I'm, the whole thing is ridiculous and somebody should call it ridiculous. So whatever, big deal. So I'm, uh, this is like about a month ago. I'm just going through Twitter quickly and a Mike Ben Dixon post is up there. And in my mind, it was like, well, this is ridiculous. Move on. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I tweet back to him. Um, I guess something. What, what did I say? I said, I guess you spend a lot of time remembering when you were relevant. Nice. Is that all? Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> so so um, because I do that, too, because at a certain right. age and, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing podcasts, you do whatever. It's like I want to keep my relevance. So that was partly that but and a shot at him a little bit. So then he messages me back on Twitter. What's the problem? So I leave that alone for two days, but I couldn't leave it alone. So I <clears throat> I I message back to him. Well, oh, okay, let's start with why is your Halloween picture still your profile pic? And what, what were you dressed up as? <laughs> that's great. It's pretty low shot. Yeah, that's fine. It's a low shot. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he tweets back to me, and that was the last thing between us. Uh, why are you being a jackass to me? Um, I've always been, um, I've been, always been good to you or something. All right. Always been a fan. I've never done anything negative toward you. That was it. And I've left it at that, and I will not return to that conversation. But my first thought was, so firing me was a positive experience? <laughs> <laughs> I've never done anything negative towards you. Other than like, firing remember me. remember that air check session yeah. at all? And because, altering the course uh, of my life. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, 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 shouldn't have, I shouldn't have picked on him, but I just No, that's like, fine. Freddie, what, what did you say there? You got talked over, pal? No, I said a few of us have those stories, you know. Um in the eyes of some people are great and, you know, helpful. And then you have your own stories about, uh, well, counter to that, let's say. Yes. Um, <laughs> and let's, I, uh, 
I was going to say, let's try and wrap it up here with uh, a couple of things. And I know and there's so many things that, you know, I, I uh, we, it's as I said to you on Saturday, you know, we really should have you on more often because it's always entertaining, engaging and informative. But um, I just want to talk quickly. Uh, if you if you have a chance to listen, Larry, of course, the, uh, the news podcast called Later That Same Life available everywhere. And uh, just remind everyone, you're still filling in the odd time on terrestrial radio and where people might occasionally hear you do what you do. Um, a former program director who actually was um, very positive toward me uh, recommended me. He's now with or was with Rogers and he recommended me uh, unbeknownst to me to City News 570, which is a Rogers station in Kitchener. And he called me in March, said, would you like to do some fill-in? And I said, I'd love to. Can I do it from home? He said, oh, absolutely, of course. That's, you know, a lot of us are still doing that here. So uh, I just I became the regular fill-in guy at City News 570, a pretty, pretty uh, standard talk show in that uh, I do get to tell stories and have some fun. And, uh, I, and I do get to talk to some interesting guests on topics of the day. Uh, and we take some calls, which is, which is okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. Um, I did some in November. I got a couple booked at uh, the Christmas period and, uh, it's fine. I don't know that I'd want to do it again full time, but it certainly is fun to do it once in a while. Well, as I said to you, I, I always like listening to you and it's interesting how this is all netted out, considering where we all were when I uh, met both of you uh, over 30 years ago, you know, introducing songs and trying to get Ivan Reitman's dad to do a car wash promotion. <laughs> uh, listen, hey, man. I, yeah, go ahead. Ask, ask a quick question. Yes, we'll take a question. Sure. Good question. How do you know that Putin didn't shit himself first? And then ah, slip on his own feces. Poopy jokes. You know, you know what gets to us. Well, you know, <laughs> Trump wears a diaper. Apparently, we have that on good authority. Yes. So maybe uh, Putin's the same way. It came out the sides, down his leg, and he slipped on it. Yeah. How about we just finish off with a little fun Trump stuff? Did you guys not see that he wants to suspend the Constitution? Is that not news? Just, yeah. just a little thing. You know what? Here's the thing. We've said this a thousand times now. If you can still support the guy. And he said he wants to suspend the Constitution. Maybe you're the problem. Uh, Larry Fedoric, man, listen, uh, we will. I'm going to talk to Boone uh, at our Thursday meeting and see if we can add you to our regular roster because it's always something else, man. And loved catching up with you on Saturday at uh, Mike's uh, event. And thanks for uh, dropping in at the last minute here. We appreciate it. I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. And uh, thank you. Thanks. Always great to be on. Thanks, guys. Okay, Likewise, Larry. Exactly. That times a lot. Larry Fedoric, later that same life, available where all fine podcasts are sold. And uh, we will have uh, Larry back sooner than later. And uh, always a pleasure catching up with him. All right, Freddie, let's uh, do me a favor. Why don't you uh, take a minute here and uh, talk a little bit about our fine, uh, you know, sponsors. And I'll be right back. Okay, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Dallas Stars tonight, a toss-up in Dallas. Mitch Marner going uh, for his, uh, what, it would be the uh, 20th game, straight game, with a point. But again, that game is a toss-up right across the board. Isn't that interesting? Well, maybe the Dallas Stars a slight 
favor. Of course, these uh, odds come from Bodog. Uh, Bodog has been around since 1994, providing Canadians with uh, enjoyable gaming experience, as we've told you many times. Whether you're a sports better or a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room, so they're fully loaded casino and race book. Yeah, they've been doing it for a long time. An unparalleled gaming experience. That is Bodog. And while I'm at it, let me tell you about the retirement Sherpa. Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. I was actually talking to the Sherpa yesterday, getting some of his... Uh, Absorbing some of his knowledge. Tim licensed on both sides of the border. Right now he's at the uh, south office, but that doesn't matter. If you have a portfolio, you want somebody else uh, to have a look at it, he will give it a look. And no, again, no strings attached. He'll give you the straight goods. Uh, he'll tell you you're you know, on the right track. Stick with your guy. Or you can choose to come to the Sherpa side. He's the retirement Sherpa. Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. Uh, Dan's taken uh, uh, Lifford uh, to uh, Peterborough, and uh, in the last second there, I, I, uh, that's not what I was doing, by the way. Just now, I was taking a leak. Um, but, uh, but yeah, poor Clifford, man. He was sitting there during the Larry interview. He was sitting next to me, and then at some point... was long gone, but... No, no, no. I don't know what he was doing, but... Uh, no, toward the end of Larry's interview... Hmm. I just reached out and I, uh, he was, uh, very uncomfortable, not Larry, but, uh, it's Clifford. And, uh, then he got up and he was sort of pacing around and, and, uh, panting. And so I turned my mic off and I said, Dan, I, you know, he's not, he won't settle down now even here. So, and then just now he wouldn't go out the back door again. He had to take him around the, the uh, other side. So yeah, man. He's going to be uncomfortable in that car. He does. Dan doesn't want him take to take him somewhere local. Hmm. Well, I, I suggested that this morning. I said, you know, there's a an emergency vet that I've taken stand to just four or five blocks from here. But he said no. He was he wanted to take him to his guy in Peterborough. I don't know why. Maybe because he knows Clifford. Settle down in that little car. I don't know. You know, back to what we were talking about with Larry and our, you know, sort of dipping our toes into talk radio there at Mojo and you and I sort of becoming fans of talk radio around the same time. You know, one of the things about being uh, doing a podcast as long as we've had as we have now, that's what's replaced talk radio for me. And I think for a lot of people, I'm not saying they're not great talk radio hosts, and but I, I have not listened to that style of radio in such a long time it all yeah. it just seems antiquated to me doing you know 12 minute segments and 14 minute segments and then stopping and taking calls mm-hmm. and all that stuff but that's kind of what they want on that format yeah although i notice you know mccown was probably the first guy in the city to say you know callers add nothing to my show yeah Really, he did. And I remember hearing having that conversation with him. It's like they they add nothing to my show. 
And they used to push back a bit at the fan. And then he started doing this thing Fridays between four and five. You can call me. But that was it. And it was so true because most of the time he was interesting. He had guests that were informed. So, you know, that became entertaining as opposed to taking these calls from people that really are not really as informed as they should be in offering their opinion. Where, where does that get you? It's funny that that's interesting that funny and interesting that Larry brought that up. I mean, he's he, all of a sudden he's done all this research and Larry did huge amounts of work for his three hour show. And he's done all this research. He's formed his own opinions. He's, he's thought about it. But meanwhile, you hear the topic for the first time and then you just throw out something. And once in a while, you know, it, it's better or it's good or it forwards the discussion. But most of the time, it's just people calling. They're thrilled to get on the radio. They want to hear themselves. They don't really have they haven't formulated a thought on it. And I think part of that comes from the old radio situation where when research became such a huge part of it for better or worse and my estimation often for worse you know there was certain they would bring like i know they did at news talk 1010 and did we not even have one at mojo i maybe not but a american consultant oh, yeah, we an did. american would come in and tell you how talk radio should work and there was a formula for it and the, even if you had a program director, somebody in charge who thought, boy, you know, I wouldn't mind pushing the envelope and going the Larry Fedoric way more, more, they were afraid to just in case it didn't work. Right. So, and, 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 and that's not to criticize anybody. It's your job. You got to get ratings. You, you know, I take a chance with somebody else's radio station and I could pay for it. So there was a lot of that. And I can see Larry Fedora, knowing Mike Ben Dixon, and I, I'm fine with Ben Dixon, but the type of guy he was, I could see him being uncomfortable with Fedora just because of the way Fedora was. It was just too much outside the box. But again, I, the irony being that Larry and you know a few other people were ahead of their time because he was basically doing a sort of a one-man podcast on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember I did some fill-in at uh, 610 back in 2006, 2007 a couple of times, and uh, I remember seeing Larry with his with his show file. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, seven, eight, eight inches thick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would just would dive into that stuff and just so organized, and the way he would link his stories and go from one topic to the next. It was... Uh, you know, I was impressed as much with the with, with the presentation as I was with all the other aspects, the entertainment. The well, that's what it did for me. When I, I used to listen to yeah. and I would be on a, I'd be on the QEW going somewhere, and it would be like a 20, 25-minute ride, and he'd be talking for 25 minutes before taking a break for a commercial. And I was always like, like when you and I were doing Mojo, what, did you want to jump in there before you forget? Because you looked like you were going to. Oh, no, no, I got, no, no, I got it. Well, I remember doing Mojo, and after having been a disc jockey my whole life, I remember the first couple of weeks to a month or so at Mojo where we would, you know, I, I remember the clock. We'd come out of the news. Mm -hmm. So we'd come out of the news around 7.05, let's say, or 05, and our first break wasn't for 12 or 13 minutes. And I remember early on being nervous and wondering how we were going to fill the time. And then our, at the time, our op uh, slash producer, our technical producer was Bingo Bob. 
about six weeks into this. I'm sure I've told this story before. I remember you and I were talking about something. We were going back and forth, kind of like we do now. And all of a sudden, I look through the glass, and Bob's wrapping me up. And I realized, oh, I've learned to fill that time. But that was 12 to 14 minutes. And that was with another person. Like, we've had the luxury of having a conversation with each other for 33 years. But doing that on your own, you know, I'm, on, I'm alone on stage. Like, the longest set I've done in five or six years is 40 minutes. It's a long time, but you're, you're sort of having a conversation with the audience. I think what he did and does is a much more difficult trick than what we do. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other side might uh, argue, does it sell? Uh, give you, you know, um, Larry said something very interesting. He said, I don't want to listen to something that makes me feel bad. And that's why I've really pulled away from watching the cable news channels at night. Mm -hmm. I really have. I I mean, I still visit the odd time and not like I I was during the Trump year. So you would sit there in the evening and you actually felt bad. Or part, part of the reason I got off social media would be like why don't why don't why don't i feel very good right now well it's something that i just read or aggravated me and i really don't need this in my life anyway and you talk about podcasts now maybe replacing traditional talk radio jerry agar the odd time when i get up from this show and i go upstairs and have my breakfast I'll say, hey, Google, put on News Talk 1010 because I figure it's local. It catches me up with what's going on. Well, when Jerry's on, it's a lot of that conflict, right? Yeah. He's pissed off at something. He takes a position and then the callers call in and they're outraged. I'll tell you, Delise walks downstairs and wants it off the minute she hears his voice. And I like Jerry. We know Jerry and Jerry, whatever Jerry does, obviously it's working. And he's very good at it. He's very good at it. He's excellent at it. it. But it makes it makes it she it doesn't make her feel very good to have that on in the room while she's there. And another point to that is I think the demo, the the tolerance, the demographic tolerance for that is getting older and older and older. Oh, yeah. And that's why it goes back now to what you said, the podcast. Now I can go and get something that sure it might stimulate me, might piss me off. But generally, I'm choosing what makes me feel better to listen to. You know, so this came up. I was listening to a podcast um, with Sam Harris. He, I, actually, I'm sorry. I was I I, I had took a seven day free trial of the app. A buddy of mine. I've listened to a lot of Sam Harris stuff, and I really like his stuff. It's some meditation, but a lot of it is just talking. And one of the things he said the other day that really hit home with me is, you know, when was the last time you ever sat down and read a book? Like uh, an actual book, like as opposed to looking at your phone or, you know, any number of ways we amuse ourselves. So when I first went to the hospital, did I tell you I went to the hospital in Mexico? Mm -hmm. I got into the hospital around nine o'clock in the morning. About midday, our friend Bill and sweet Ronnie showed up with a book. And it's this book about the sinking of the Lusitania, which is this big ship. And it sort of brought the Americans into World War One. It's written by this really interesting author. It's called, uh, you know, I don't remember the freaking name. I'm so old. But I've been reading this book now for a couple weeks. And um, this, what, what Sam Harris said in this podcast, in this uh, talk, was it hit home because other than being in the hospital, I haven't really read that book very much. And so I, when Dan came here last night, he found me down here in the office reading the book because I thought for the next hour, 
I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at TV. I'm going to I'm going to amuse myself in a way that I, especially holding a book. Like I've got lots of books on my Kindle, which is on my which is a nap now on my phone. I don't even use the Kindle, but um, there's something different about holding the actual book in your hands. And it's an experience I haven't had, as I was saying to Dan last night, man, that it felt, it feels different. It, uh, you, I think you absorb it in a different way, even though I, I can't remember the name of the book. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But anyway, my point that is like that, a good book, well, that's it. it. But I've been reading a lot of books, mostly about Trump the last couple of years. Did I mentioned that, but, um, I haven't actually held on to a, and it's a big book too. Like it's you know lots of pages, and it's like a not as it's a hard cover. It just felt different sitting here and you know with the lights on and reading a book and no other distractions. And yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, we're in crazy times. It's even you phoned the other day when you phoned my house line. You said because I know I know you're not always on top of your phone. Well, I make a point many times now. I'll just take it in my office areas and I'll put it on the desk. I don't I don't want it on me. And not so much for calls coming in or it's just I don't want to be in that position where I'm always looking at it for and I don't even really know why. You know what I mean? A lot of people, they just it's that habit. You just grab it and you start looking at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then that that can lead to looking at something that pisses me off in that particular morning or some news story, whatever. It's it's I don't know. It's just sort of segregating time now or something that. uh I find if it's out of sight, out of mind, it's over there. Um, listen, if you need to get a hold of me for something that's really, really devastating, or anybody for that matter, you will. Um, yeah, maybe a few minutes later than if I have that phone in my pocket twenty four hours. But part of it is the dopamine hit from it. And, you know. And by the way, the yes, book is the, yes, the yes. book is called Dead Wake by a guy named Eric Larson, very, very famous author. And even mm-hmm. though it's, and I said, you know, I'm not normally a. Usually when I read, it's lately it's been, again, a lot about politics, but this is like a nonfiction fiction. Like it's, it's an actual thing that happened. It's what brought the Americans into World War I, as I say, but it's written like it's a novel. You get to meet all these people. And even though, and, it's, and, and basically what happened was, they, it was one of the most advanced, this is after the Titanic, one of the fastest luxury liners and, you know, all these people that first class and, and the captain and you get to meet, and you even get to meet um, the U-boat captain, the German U-boat captain that sunk it. So even though you know what's going to happen, it, it, it's interesting to see how it all came together and the circumstances and how Churchill was involved. And, and there's some conspiracy around this. Look up the Lusitania that they thought the American, like they wanted this boat to be sunk so that it would bring the Americans into the war. So there's mm-hmm. lots of this intrigue. The point being that holding it and reading it the experience is different. And I know what you mean. Like, uh, back to uh, Sam Harris, he was talking about this, just what you said about people are attached to their phones, even if it's not for any real reason other than it's just there. And he said there's a fair, fairly famous photograph uh, a photographer did. This guy set it up. Basically, he, he's taken pictures of people looking at their phones, you know, you see those scenes like people walking across the street or walking down and they're just, they're always looking at their phones. And what he's done is he's digitally removed the phones from their hands. So it's just them staring at their hands and it's like this vacant look on their faces. 
and and it's what we've become as a society a bunch of people staring into these devices that we're tethered to for reasons we can't even remember anymore no it's just that habit of just and what really are we looking for you know an important email or a text that's going to change my life like i i again it's just that that habit and we've raised this question on the show before. What did we do before we had that? What, what were we doing with those moments, Howard? Reading a book, maybe. Or talking to somebody. Yeah. Or maybe phoning somebody and speaking, you know, voice to voice, not text to text. Or before all these streaming services, you know, where Thursday nights were had some great shows on, but other nights maybe not so much. What were you doing with those hours? I can't remember really, but we were doing something. Well, we that, yeah, fine. I mean, you one, probably you probably didn't have as many knots in your stomach. I know that. One of the things about you having a a, a home line or a landline, one of the few people I know that is, a, if I really need to get a hold of you, well, I can't get you on your phone. I know I can call you at your house. Um, let's uh, before we have to wrap this show up. So Dan Duran's uh, news will be uh, hopefully back tomorrow with a a good news report about our boy. Clifford, the big red dog. Uh, but first, let's um, tell you a little bit about our friends at AaronVentures.com. They're an emerging international junior mining and exploration company engaged in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties. Aaron Venture's strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities within Canada and various regions internationally. Do some research about this company. Get your guy on it or your gal. The company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties and through the ap- acquisition of additional mining. Mining projects. It's an interesting world they're occupying, the world of boron exploration. And if you're interested in finding out more, go to AaronVentures.com. Are you all done, by the way? Yeah, you, but you speak of uh, Dan Duran in the news. We touched on Kirstie Alley died uh, at 71, got cancer uh, recently, and it yeah. took her quickly. Uh, yes. Well, we might forget about Kirstie Alley. She became quite the Trumper and the right winger. Yes. Eh? Like, yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, Larry mentioned this. I had written it down and forgot, which was the guy from Sesame Street, Bob McGrath, yes. who we all grow up with, the nice guy, Bob. But that's uh-huh. one of the first things I thought of with uh, Kirstie Alley is that she became a super right wing nut job. Mm-hmm. We covered the Putin story. And, of course, today is the big runoff in Georgia, Warnock against uh, Moron Man. The fact that that's even a race no, I know. is so much about America. It really does. And Warnock, he, he has some blemishes, but okay. Yeah, but like all politicians. Both men have blemishes, but one's a moron and one's like a normal functioning human being. Yeah, that's the thing. It's funny because I saw, the, I follow uh, the GOP on Twitter. I know, yeah, I know. Sometimes I wonder. I have all this stuff that I ingest every day to our conversation here. And, and a lot of it is just just riles me up. You know, and one of the things I saw this morning is the GOP basically tweeting, there's no better candidate than Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. How can you actually think that? My, and the, the first response I saw that made me laugh, though, is somebody else I follow said, is this a parody account? Because it's like a parody. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is like we're living in um, a, a parody slash simulation. Because if you're literally, how could you be involved in grown-up uh, man-woman politics 
and actually think that man is the best person to represent Georgia. Well, I saw yesterday, uh, what was the story? Warnock, the night before the runoff, and Warnock still will not declare what limits should be put on abortions. So that's their spin. That's the big story, yep. For the long, you know, and and I just thought to myself, well, isn't that interesting? Who is that for? Because what I think of immediately, well, maybe, just maybe Mr. Warnock thinks, leave it up to the woman. (laughs) Yeah. What they didn't do is say, uh, and the other candidate who's paid for abortions and thinks, uh, wants to be a wants to be a werewolf, not a vampire, etc. I mean, it's it's actually so, so it's becoming so dumb. It's hilarious. Outrage. Let's take some calls. Outrage. Outrage. Yeah. Hi, I'm the Fred. I I agree with you. See, this is why we have the reputation as two dinks full of hate. Right. (laughs) Um, And just before we go, I stayed stayed up till 1120 last night. Oh, no. You want to talk about the goat, the greatest of all time. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers down by 13 points with like three minutes to go. And Brady engineers two touchdowns, wins the game with like three seconds to go. I mean, really, it is. It's something. You know, you love Tiger and there was Gretzky. To watch this guy at this age still do, like, still perform and pull the stuff. It was like the 56th game he's won, like, in the closing minutes or, like, uh, like, like won the game, come from behind in the last minute or something. He's, it's just something else because they suck the whole game. And then all of a sudden it was like, he had to get it done. He got it done. Yeah, hard to believe he's still doing it. Well, it's one thing to be that great. But being that great at age 45 or 6, whatever he is, mm-hmm. is really quite remarkable. I mean, our guy Josh Allen is 24 or 25. Right. He ain't going to see 45 or 46 the way he plays. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we were lucky because it was right in the sweet spot of my interest in football and your, like anybody around our age, we got to witness this thing and it's still going on. Like it's, it was something last night. It really was something to see. And to be referenced, your talk to me yesterday about playoff possibilities, where are Tampa Bay and all of that? Howard, they're six and six and they're in first place. They're in the weakest division in the NFL. They were in. They had a record of five and six going. Are they in the humble and great division? (laughs) (laughs) They had a record of five and six, and were in first place. Wow! So, and again, it it almost contradictory talking about Tom Brady because you know the team up until last night had a losing record, but there's more to a team than a quarterback, and it's still he can still work this magic no matter what kind of team is around him. It's something else. Well, there you go, and. uh, um, or the, the, do you do, by the way, we didn't do uh, this. Let me get this. Speaking of sports and uh, betting and uh, such, have a listen. During your commute again, do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. All right. Listen, we're uh, sending thoughts and prayers to Clifford the dog. Uh, Tomorrow on the program, I wanted to mention this because I have it in front of me. We're going to have our, uh, the return of Mary Jo Eustace. Uh, As everyone knows, there was some, another humble and Fred incident 
And a couple of weeks ago, we had her on the show. Her husband bailed. Uh, now uh, he doesn't even he's not even doing the podcast that they were doing together. And she's going to be in our same time zone. I think she's in New York. So uh, we'll be talking to her. That will be an interesting conversation. Thanks, everyone. I know there was a you don't know this, but I got a message from uh, Sal. Our buddy Sal, who uh, we dropped out the uh, Facebook feed, stopped for some reason. So I hope it uh, went. I, I re-engaged it. So hopefully you saw at least most of what uh, Larry was saying. And uh, our, of course, our best to Dan Duran. Yes, and Cliff. Uh, this episode of Humble and Fred uh, was brought to you by GoDaddy, EVNet, Aaron Ventures, Kelsey's, The Chamber Plan, The Retirement Sherpa, and Bodog. Don't forget Thursday's email day. Get a hold of us, Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Two dinks filled with hatred. We'll see you tomorrow for Humble and Fred. I'm not Dan Duran, but he'll be back as well. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone.